speeding bullets. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. Hey, everybody. Adam from the Back Patio Network here. And this is Wes, also from the Back Patio Network. What are we talking about today, Adam? Oh, well, man, I gotta tell you, we are talking about an age-old favorite, Superman. Oh, the way you say that? Uh, so is Superman not your favorite? Well, we all know that Green Lantern's my favorite. Well, okay, so maybe Superman's your second favorite. Or like my second from last. Ooh. Like, I just don't care for Superman. I'll throw it out there. Never been a fan. Not a Superman fan. Well, you say that, and you say he's the second from last. Now I've got to know who the last one is. You put me on the spotlight. Oh, I am. I am. You said second to last. You sounded like you had an idea. Yeah. You don't, do you? Everyone that's ever written Superman except for Jeff Johns. Superman is dead last. (laughs) Superman's dead last. Yes. I I don't know. He's never been one of my characters. I did not like reading him growing up. Uh, I remember I had a few issues of Superman, just individual Superman comics, I didn't like them. Uh, The only time I ever read Superman was if he was part of a team. So like Justice League of America, sometimes he's part of their team, Uh, Justice League Society, just different Justice Leagues for the most part. Other than that, I never really read Superman. My only experience with Superman is watching the movies growing up, especially the 80s versions with Christopher Reeves. Loved those movies, though. I could never really understand them, but it was Superman flying around on the screen. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Right, right. And how can you not love Superman, especially when you were seven years old? I Let's go back in time and ask seven-year-old me what he didn't like about Superman, because I'm sure he'd love to tell you. <laughs> He's I, too perfect! I will say, I did have a VHS of the old black-and-white Superman cartoon, and I would play that thing on replay. Black and white Superman cartoon? There was a black and white Superman cartoon. Man, there's been a billion Superman cartoons, movies, you name it. Uh, But yeah, I had an old VHS. It was just one. It had like three episodes on it. And I want to say it was one of the first ones, but I'm pretty sure I drove my parents nuts with that thing. I mean, kids can watch... Uh, any cartoon on repeat like if you're latched onto it but so that's kind of cool though you hate superman but you watched this black and white cartoon on repeat if it was a black and white cartoon it had to have been pre-70s at least it was older and i'm sure that it was an older cartoon that had been put onto like a vhs you know what i mean i'm sure it wasn't an original release or anything like that but i mean i VHS is how how old are those? I have no idea. 70s. 70s? Yeah. Okay. Because they phased out by the time that I was about nine. Oh, you youngin. Yeah, I know. I know. You never had to deal with putting the VHS in the rewinder. We had a rewinder so oh, we could no. watch another show. And then you'd put the VHS in the rewinder so you could take it back to Blockbuster. Right. The one thing I remember about VHS is that uh, always kill me is that there was a tab that you could pop that would not allow you to record over them. Mm-hmm. And my parents didn't know that existed. So if you watch their wedding videos, you get about four minutes in and then it's Power Rangers. 
<laughs> oh no, you did. Oh yeah, she. You did. My mom got all of those old VHSs like re-digitalized oh, or whatever. No. All of them are like Power Rangers or Barney, like anything I could record on TV. It's been recorded over all of our home videos. Oh, that's awful. I think Adam. she ended up with something like 15 minutes of you know the last 20 years. Oh, right. You. Poor mother. But you know what? You guys aren't here to listen to me talk about my past and my <laughs> parents' unfortunate son. No, they're here to listen to you talk about Superman and how much you hate him. Yes, Superman, who is Krypton's last son. At least so they want you to think until they introduce a billion other Kryptonians. Right, of course. But, but let's get right into this, man. First appearance? Uh, first appearance. Uh, Action Comics numero uno. Action Comics number one. Yes, and the writer for that was uh, Jerry Seagal, and artist was Joe Schuster. Beautiful artwork, too. Oh. Even in the 40, 50s when it was introduced. Oh, no, no. We're going oh, even further no, back than that. it is. It was 19... I'm looking at my notes, finally. 1938? 1938. World War II had not even gone into full swing at this uh, point. It's crazy. This is one of the oldest running comics. In fact, more recently, Action Comics number 1000 came out, and that is still the ongoing current Action Comics. It has never broken apart. It's never stopped. Action Comics is still going on. It's beautiful. And the artwork back in the 30s, man, it was obviously like, would you say that Superman is the first comic book superhero? At least the first iconic comic book superhero. I mean, there have been, I'm sure, maybe a few others here or there, but I believe everyone would definitely agree that this is the one, you know? So if you had Action Comics number one in your possession right now, what would you sell it for? Well, I'll tell you, it actually sold pretty recently for over $3 million. We talked about Spider-Man a couple episodes ago, and we talked about how his first appearance was one of the only comics in the world to have sold for over a million dollars, and it was in the top three sellers of all time. Well, Action Comics number one is the number one selling comic of all time in the sense of how much it cost. Uh, recently, a 9.0 graded issue from CGC was sold on eBay for $3,207,852. How would you like to be that guy who lost out because he bid $3,207,851? Yeah, I, I'd like to be the guy that could bid that. <laughs> <laughs> What's I'd, even crazier is more recently there was a couple redesigning a house, like they were flipping a house. And I guess back in the day, they would use old newspapers and comics and whatnot to stuff in between the walls to keep it warm. They found an Action Comics number one. They pulled it out. Both of them realized what it was and fought over it. And, and immediately it. set it on fire. Wow, they didn't set it on fire. They just ripped it. And what? Yeah, because they, they were arguing over like, well, I found it. No, I found it. Well, I found it first. And, I, you know, this is going to be my family's. And they ripped it in two. Or maybe they just ripped the cover off. I wasn't entirely oh. sure. But I, I, they got it graded, and I want to say it graded for like a 3.0, but still sold for close to $100,000, I believe. But Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, still. I mean, Classic comic right there, right. fighting over it and ripping it in half. But that is how iconic Superman is. Two people that probably didn't read comics, just flipping a house, find Action Comics number one and immediately knew, holy cow, what do we have in our hands? He's been around and in pop culture since the 50s oh, at easily. this point. Yeah. So let's just dive into it, man. Let's. We read a bunch of action comics. Uh, what'd you think about it in general? I mean, we read about three or four issues of the original action comics. Did you enjoy them? Oh, I loved the original action comics. It was classic, simple, old school storytelling. It's uh, they basically jump in in media res, like right into the action with Superman trying to track down these bad guys. 
Yeah, it is really neat. They don't waste any time. I think they introduce his folks and the fact that he was from space in a one page. Like, one page, it's, hey, here are some folks, their planet's getting destroyed, and they're going to ship their kid off to Earth because they want him to survive. He lands on Earth as a baby, and he has superhero powers. You can almost hear the uh, old school announcer yeah. every single line that they're talking about. I actually even, like, reading that, I could hear in my head, I was reading it as if it was one of the old uh, audio dramas played over the radio. You Absolutely. know, that old scratchy radio yep. announcing kind of sound? The thing that was fantastic about this old school Superman, the original Superman, is, yes, he was an alien from a different planet, but he was a Superman. He just... He could leap over tall buildings. He could run faster than an express train, but he couldn't fly. He couldn't do a lot of other things. He didn't have the red glowing eyes at this point. All of those were feature bloat later on in Superman's career as all these things kept getting added in. Right now, he can run really fast, leap really high, and then uh, he's really strong. And that was it. That's all Superman had. Those three abilities, and he was able to conquer these bad guys. Yeah, and he was truly a Superman. That was it. And that's kind of why I liked it. There, You're right. There wasn't a lot of feature bloat. You know what I mean? It was just a really easygoing guy. And the one thing I really loved about him was the fact that he was willing to kind of take initiative more. I feel like current Superman does a lot of kind of sitting back and letting the law take care of things or doing the right thing. Old Superman, I think it was Action Comics number one, dropping dudes off buildings to get information. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's just great. Like, going down south to solve problems in, in wars and enforcing, like, real people to go do real horrible things to realize, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be selling guns to people. It was an interesting, totally different take on Superman, nothing like what I had read for him so far. Now, that being said, Superman has been rewritten over and over and over and over and over. I mean, uh, just in the comics that we read, we read, what would you say, 50 comics? I would say more than that. We easily read close to probably 200 comics. Just on Superman. Just on Superman. And I feel alone. like we have barely scratched the surface oh, of who Superman is. Barely like, scratched uh, the surface. The reading list that we followed really covered a lot of origin stories of Superman. Yeah, uh, and the first origin story outside of Action Comics number one that we covered was John Byrne's Man of Steel. Um, a lot of people consider this to be kind of the modern Superman from the 1986 era. Uh, this one was kind of interesting. I, I actually really enjoyed it. They had a six-issue miniseries, you could say. Every individual issue was kind of its own self-contained story. Each one added just a little bit about Superman. Right. One, like... They introduce one of his main villains. They introduce some of his powers and his backstory. Right. Now, issue number one was kind of neat to me because they introduced Jor-El, who is Superman's father from Krypton. And in this issue, they really cover the fact that Krypton is dying because it's like a sterile society. It, they're devoid of emotion. You know, they, they were kind of interesting in the sense that it didn't seem like him and his wife were even married. It was like, hey, did you go get our genetic offspring from the genetic pool over in section B-A-D or something? Right, B-A-D. Did you pick that on purpose? Yeah, Superman yeah, bad. Bad, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all about the subtle advertising here. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the planet... Jarrell is trying to convince the council this bad stuff is happening dozens of years ago, so they should be working towards building these spaceships and sailing off into the stars, but they even this society can't get together enough to save themselves. Right. So all they have is this prototype hyperdrive ship, and they put little Jarrell into the ship and Kal send him off. Is they it put Kal little Kal-El. Jarrell's the father, Kal-El's the son. I'm dumb. No. Uh, <laughs> Jarrell puts Kal-El into the uh, little hyperdrive ship and ships him off. 
Uh, I think he, in this version, he picked Earth because it is very similar to Krypton. He even picks Earth specifically because he he realizes that it has a yellow sun and Superman or Kal-El will be a god among men. And he kind of makes it seem like he wants him to be that way. Like not necessarily a dictator, but really powerful. He wants him to stand out. You always like. want the best for your son poss- that you can possibly give him. That's true. And if you can make him a god among men, uh, what did uh, the man of tomorrow in yes. this society. That's fair. I don't know if that was what was actually used in this version, but in future origin stories, they say uh, Jor-El wants him to be the man of tomorrow. The man of tomorrow. Well, in this series, it, it really kicks in a lot of his powers because this is where we see his laser eyes come in. He's got some of the um, x-ray vision. He can fly. He's fly, full on flying. He's way stronger than he was in action comics, I feel like. I mean, it, it was amazing how much stronger he really was. Um, he also really is trying to fit into society. He does a lot of like preparation work, I guess you could say. Um, he, there's a scene where Lois Lane is trying to come and pick him up for some reason. They're going to like a gala or something, and he is shaving by reflecting his laser eyes in a mirror. <laughs> to a curved mirror. Yeah. To reflect it back onto his super-resistant whiskers. And they do that pretty consistently in some of the later issues, yeah. too, in kind of random moments. Uh, but he's so prepared, he has bought an electric razor that he turns on, so Lois is deceived. <laughs> yeah. It's just goofy. Uh, it's, it's fun, It's though. goofy. I will tell you, out of this series, though, one of my favorite issues was when he actually goes to Gotham and he meets Batman. Yes. Uh, he's going to Gotham to track down Batman to tell Batman and lecture him on why he is doing everything wrong. Yeah. So we see Batman trying to get some information from a criminal, and he's kind of doing the Batman torture scene, you know. And he shoots one of his batarangs out at him. Superman grabs the batarang, and Batman is like, who the... Who are you? <laughs> yeah. And then Superman drags him off into the sky. Hold on tight, Batman. Good luck. Yes. Um, I, I really loved this one particular bit in this, and I think maybe you can elaborate more for me. There is a scene where he has collected some evidence, and he's showing Superman his nifty, like, trunk. Yeah, there, uh, Batman is trying to track down Magpie. Yes. Superman realizes this is a big deal. Somebody's got to be saved, so Superman jumps into it. They go and they track down some evidence. And this is in the late 80s is when this is written. Most of the crime dramas on TV aren't like true procedurals. You don't have NCIS or CSI or the modern law and order where they collect all the evidence and they send it off to the lab to be analyzed. But here in 86, uh, Batman takes this little bit of evidence, takes it to a uh, crime lab. He keeps apparently in the back of the Batmobile. Which, I mean, it's the Batmobile. Can you imagine, like, if he's got a crime lab in there, do you think he has a mini fridge? Oh, definitely. It's <laughs> hidden right there on the backside. It's got, like, a couple brewskis in it. Like, bat sodas? Absolutely. Bat beer? I mean, sure, that's what I'd have there. Yeah, and then it's maybe got, like, some pop for Robin. <laughs> <laughs> So then he, but he, he takes and processes all this evidence to take it down to the microscopic level so that he can, uh, and it's the first introduction I, that I can remember, especially in the eighties where you can be a true detective and use all this scientific equipment to track down the bad guys. Sure. Sure. Well, and kind of the big reason that I feel like they did this issue was to have this parallel between Batman and Superman. You know, Batman is kind of doing things the hard way, in my opinion. Superman is kind of, he's got it easy. He's got all these powers that help him solve his issues. And on top of that, you know, Batman has this issue where he's dealing with some of the biggest crime lords 
in Gotham City. And I don't think Superman, yes, he has some crime lords he has to deal with, but they're not like these crazy Batman villains. Like, everyone in Batman's world are, like, mentally insane. I'm not going to let you turn this into a Batman episode. We're not going to, no. But my point <laughs> is, is Batman says something very specific to him, something along the lines of, you know, where you come from, you can probably put people away and they stay away. In my case, most of the time, they've got a fancy lawyer that gets them out in two hours, and I'm doing the same exact thing all over again. So you can do your, th you know, you can do your stuff your way, and I'll do it my way, but stay out of my business. And they kind of leave on equal terms. They they have somewhat of a mutual respect for each other. Yeah, Superman comes around and understands it from Batman's point of view by the end of that issue. Yes, and it really ties into this next issue of John Byrne's Superman because Lex Luthor is holding this big gala that we mentioned a couple minutes earlier where he's got Clark Kent on it, Lois Lane's on it, the governor, the mayor, like all these big people are on this big yacht ship and he's kind of showing everybody off. He's talking about how much he loves Lois. I mean... At this point, Lex is all about some Lois Lane. He's infatuated with her, but so is Clark Kent, kind of. I mean, he's really, really, they both sort of have the hots for her. I mean, it's freaking Lois Lane. Of course you do. She's strong. She's powerful. She's well-spoken. She's smart. Uh, she comes from a military family which now. Which we find out in this issue. we do find out. It's conveniently written in yes. that Lois Lane is from a military family and therefore knows karate and military jujitsu as well as how to handle a gun. Yeah, it's really amazing because pirates attack the ship. And Superman, or well, at this point, it's Clark Kent. He's still dressed up. He's playing Clark. Gets thrown off the ship, which is kind of a tieback to one of the old action comics where he gets thrown off a ship. Uh, and he comes back as Superman and saves the day. But while he's transforming into Superman, Lois just kicks ass. I mean, she beats up on the pirates. She steals their guns. She's like mowing them down. Yeah, and Superman then, uh, dives under the yacht, lifts it up out of the air, so everybody's distracted, which is just enough time for Lois to do all of that. It, it's crazy. And Lois, the whole time, makes it seem like her... Like, I imagine her father just running military drills on the weekend. You know, like, no, you can't go be part of Girl Scouts. We're going to go shoot things today, honey. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and then um, you were talking earlier about Lex Luthor in this issue. Yes, Lex is devious, man. I mean, he did this on purpose. It turns out that he paid the pirates to attack the ship just to show everybody what Superman could do. He was interested. Like, well... I'm kind of purveying what Superman's powers are. And you also said he looked like somebody. Yeah, so I didn't know. Uh, Lois actually is kind of getting pissy with Lex at this point because he has done nothing but hit on her all night long. He bought her this really fancy dress, and she didn't realize that he was the one that bought it for it's her. Like $5,000 dress yes. he bought as a present. Yeah, and uh, sh you know he's talking about how he really wants to kind of win her over. Uh, and she actually calls him, she says that he is starting to look like a Fred Mertz lookalike. And I wasn't sure who Fred Mertz was, but it, it's interesting because I had this idea of Lex as being this really tall, thin, balding, athletic kind of build. All of the movies, that's the way he looks yeah. like. Yeah, in this issue though, he's kind of a bigger guy, long red hair, kind of a bigger beard. Uh, not at all what I imagined. And I looked up Fred Mertz and kind of right, he looked similar to Fred Mertz. And for those of you who don't know who Fred Mertz really is, uh, he is from I Love Lucy, the actor that played the friend with uh, Lucy and Ricky. Right. So now imagine this Fred Mertz looking mug that has set up Superman basically to show off all of his powers. The mayor realizes it because he just comes out and tells everybody in front of everyone. He just admits to it like, yeah, I did this. That This was all me. So the mayor throws him in jail for reckless endangerment. Yeah. He deputizes Superman and Superman arrests Lex Luthor. I love that the mayor can just deputize Superman at right, any point in time. Right there in the spot. Why was he not already a deputy? 
maybe he didn't, Mayor didn't trust Superman yet. Okay, that's good. Good point. I like that. So we see Superman do a couple of other things in this issue, and he runs into Lex Luthor. Oh, and this is like four or five hours after all of the shenanigans on the ship. And this ties right back into that Batman's point. Lex tells him, yeah, I had really damn good lawyers. I got out like two hours ago. And Superman, I think, kind of has this realization that, okay, maybe there are some people in Metropolis I can't just put away. And that's where we kind of really, at least in our reading list, see the big bad Lex Luthor. I, I loved it. I think Lex is a great villain. I love Lex Luthor. Eh. Eh. Of course you would say eh. <laughs> eh. So that's, uh, so on to the next issue. Yeah. I don't have a real great note here. It says something about Lex made a clone. Yeah, so this is the issue where Lex clones Superman. It appears that he has some sort of clone of Superman. I believe this is a tieback to Bizarro. Uh, this is not specifically Bizarro, but it was kind of a similar deal where the, it was this Superman lookalike that didn't talk English, but he kind of had a, a he had the same powers and he. Oh, the, you're talking about the current clone that Lex made in this issue. Yeah, uh, he's made of dust, and he dusts over people. Yeah, uh, we are introduced to Lois Lane's sister, who is sometimes in comics and sometimes not. Right, Lucy. Yeah, and, and it, she's blind. She was magically blinded at some point in the past. And the clone's ashes, whenever Superman destroys him, cures her of her blindness. Yes. And he goes away. So that was really the the big pull away from this issue is that Lex can clone Superman, I got. But it seems like, to me, it felt like a throwback to Bizarro. This just wasn't him. Uh, and then on our last issue, uh, Superman returns back to Smallville. To me, the, really the only redeeming part in Superman storylines are the, the parts where he spends time with his family. Because it's always tugging at your heartstrings, whether they're alive, because some issues or some storylines, both of them are dead, one of them are dead. But they always just seem like they love each other so much. And that's the first thing that this one opens up in. We got him going back into Smallville, and they're talking about how Lana Lang is back in town. Lana Lang is back, and they have to have a conversation because apparently Clark Kent, when he was still in Smallville, told her his Superman secret, basically yeah. flew her around. And now it's about how she's had to deal with this life of holding Superman's secret, knowing that there's more out there but can't do anything about it. Superman can't belong to just one woman. He belongs to the world. Yeah, and at this point in John Byrne's Superman is when his father kind of talks to him about the way he crash-landed. He kind of gets like an information dump from his father and he realizes like oh i'm kryptonian and he, this is when he kind of gets hit with all of the knowledge of krypton that's right he finds the rocket ship or his father shows him the rocket ship he gets blasted with a ton of info yeah and you get to learn a little more about what where superman came from exactly and i the the one quote that i absolutely loved from john Byrne's superman probably the best thing that sums up his entirety of superman is superman ends this issue saying Krypton made me Superman, but Earth made me human. And I thought that was actually really well done. It was really nice. Next up was Marv Wolfman's Crisis on Infinite Earths. And Adam, I have a feeling this will not be the last time we talk about this huge crossover event from DC. Definitely not. I mean, I think a lot of characters were heavily impacted by this miniseries here. Uh, 12 issues of DC crossover, a lot can happen. Sure, and then also throughout the years, DC has created these multiple universes. I, You were talking to me about it earlier. Maybe each author wants to do a different version or another story or tell Superman's story in a different way, so they sure. create another universe that this 
Superman exists in. And now you've got, uh, what was it? Earth one, earth two, earth X S D you Prime, got earth, earth prime. Th- yeah. So many different earths. Like how do you keep up with all of these different universes? Well, they bring in Marv Wolfman right. to write this huge crossover event, and they just mash it all down. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, it wasn't even just multiple Supermans. I'm, we're talking like different Batmans, different Flashes. Like, you want to write a character for DC, and you want to create your own universe for it. Well, you were allowed to do it at that point, and it made it really difficult for readers. Like, where do you, I pick up at? You know, it's Honestly, confusing. I would be really shocked if there isn't another big event like this that happens in the next few years for DC and for Marvel again. Because we're hitting that point again where there's a bunch of universes, so we're going to have to do some way to make it to where readers can just pick up the next issue. Every 30 years or so, you got to do a reset. Man, every, anymore, it feels like every five. Oh, rough. Yeah, it's crazy. But let's just deep dive into Infinite Earths, man. You have two characters, Monitor and Anti-Monitor. We met a little bit of them when Green Lantern, so I at least recognize the names. Yeah, because the Black Lantern that we read about in Green Lantern had been formed from the body of Anti-Monitor. Which we'll get into at some future issue. Yes. But the Guardians of Oa created both of these monitors when they looked back into the past. They were looking through like a TV screen. Yeah, it's kind of goofy. I mean, they were just tr- basically they were trying to see the beginning of time. They wanted to see the universe being created. And that's when they see the anti-monitor and the monitor coming into existence. So the anti-monitor is literally antimatter and everything in the universe that is evil. And when he was created, there was also this sub-universe created called Quard. Keyword is how Q-word? I always that's how I see it. I see Keyword. Keyword. Because it's a cord. But yeah, it's something to that effect. When you're reading, you can call it whatever you want. Sure you can. But, I mean, realistically, let's just get this down into a few sentences here for you all, because you really ought to go read it. There was a huge big battle. Lots of people die, including Barry Allen, Supergirl, and a handful of other people. There are five overlapping Earths, one, two, X, S, Prime, and several others. Uh, And basically, by the end of it, the heroes are going to the beginning of time to fight the Anti-Monitor, the villains are going to the end of time to fight the Anti-Monitor, and our world wins, the current world. So you see these really awesome, beautifully drawn scenes of them battling the Anti-Monitor, and then boom, explosion. Everybody wakes up, and they're all in the same world. And certain people remember certain things. There are multiples of characters. Uh, basically, anybody who was at the beginning of time actually remembers what the universe was like with all the multiple uh, universes. Exactly. Anybody after that, uh, anybody who was recreated throughout this event, uh, they have no memory of any of it. So if Superman from Earth 2 shows up, who's an older 90-year-old Superman, I think, when he shows up, nobody knows who he is. Right, and his Lois is gone. His universe is gone because all five of these worlds have been combined. There are no more. In fact... That Superman and the current Superman go and meet up with the other Flashes. And they get on the cosmic treadmill. Right. They want to, basically, they don't understand what's happened yet. So they're going, they go and find Jay Garrick, who has the cosmic treadmill. They are going to send the Superman from Earth 2 back to Earth 2. So they run on the treadmill real fast and they open up this portal to Earth 2 and it is nothing. Can you imagine having a cosmic treadmill? Yeah, man, I got one over here in the corner. You want to run on it later? Sure, let's do it. Let's see how far back in time we can go. Just mess it all up, you know? I just need you to have superhuman speed. I got that. I got that. 
So he sees that his universe doesn't exist. He's trying to cope with the fact that he's going to have to live in this world without his Lois, where nobody knows who he is. And this version of Superman cannot mentally handle it. No. He is breaking down. But imagine what it would be like if you woke up one day in your office thinking, oh, everything's fine. And then you go to work and it's different. Yeah. And then you go and you find out everything you knew, everybody you loved is gone. Gone. Just in fact, poof. Green Lantern is what it's a callback to. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is amazing. I mean, imagine going into work, going into your current position, and someone else is sitting there. Because that's what happens to Superman. Walks what are you in, doing? Why are you here? Yeah, walks into the Daily Planet, sits down at his editorial position, and Perry White, who is the current edit like chief CEO or whatever, is like Chief Editor. Chief editor. Who are you? Like, Clark, get back to your station. Right. You know, and Clark walks in, is like, oh no, sorry, Dad. That's my dad's, uncle. Dad's got some problems. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't imagine. Uh, so that's why they decide that they are going to have to try and fix this, which is brings in the cosmic treadmill, but they can't do anything about it. Well, during all of this, the Anti-Monitor has actually returned, and he has brought this version of Earth. He's, like, trying to suck it into the antimatter universe. So all these shadows are showing up, and people are fighting them, and uh, this big battle breaks out where you have everybody. And we haven't mentioned him quite yet, but there is a character named Alexander Luther, who is Lex Luthor's son from an Earth-3. And Superboy Prime and Old Man Superman, and they all decide together that since they don't quite fit in with this reality, they're going to go fight the Anti-Monitor. And that is, there's this really beautiful scene where Old Man Superman is what I like to call him. He's got gray hair. He kind of looks like a parallax Superman, right? He just goes, enough is enough, and punches Anti-Monitor and kills him <laughs> right in the face. Why didn't you do that 15 <laughs> issues ago, man? Come on. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> sorry, this is cracking me up, but you're right. Superman, old Superman, punches him in the damn face. Yeah. And that's it. I, I don't know. I just seemed like like he would have been fed up with this five hours ago or something. It right? took forever to wear the Anti-Monitor down. You had to get him to the point <sighs> where guess. Superman could punch him in the stupid face and kill him. I guess. Now, what ends up happening is Alexander Luther, who is this kind of cosmic being because he came from an Earth that no longer existed. He shows up really early on in the comics. He brings Lois from Old Man Superman's Earth back. And says, like, well, I know you were going to miss her. I was able to kind of preserve her in this cosmic parallel pocket. In my stomach. Yeah, it shows her coming out of his stomach. It's kind of strange. So Superboy Prime and Old Man Superman and Lois go back into Alexander Luther's stomach where they live in this pocket universe. They're in the antimatter universe. It's not even the antimatter universe. Oh, it is. Because they can't get back. Well, they uh, can't Luther get can't back, but it it's, it's like their own little pocket universe because it's separate. It is now. So they're stuck in the antimatter universe. And in order to save them, Alex Luther takes them gotcha. into his pocket universe, right. which is apparently in his stomach, which he's also able to go into. Yes. So don't ask. Don't questions. A, yeah, it's a, it's a comic book, folks. But they do come back later. In fact, in the new 52, we did oh, not read they? these. But old man Superman shows back up in Metropolis. Really? And him and Lois have been like living out in Smallville and they've kind of just been living a human life. Why? Why? It's have really. You know, why did we read that one? Well, because we've got a lot of Superman to read. <laughs> I love, We're I going it, to I read it. it. We can't do it all in one episode, man. Well, you're right. You're right. So I guess we should move on because that is the end of Crisis of Infinite Earths. Basically, lots of Earths down to one Earth. Exactly. All right. So the next big event that happens in Superman's life that we decided to read was Dan Jurgens, Jerry Ordway, Louise Simonson, Roger Stern's Death of Superman, which is honestly, it's one of my favorites. I don't read Superman. And I remember when this comic was released in the 90s. I bet this had to have been a huge deal because when they killed him off, it wasn't like everyone that had been killed off were being brought back really fast. 
So, or there was already a replacement. Like when Barry Allen dies, well, you've got Kid Flash, like immediately. But with Superman, they had just done Crisis on Infinite Earths a few years before, so everyone had kind of been tied up. There was no replacement for him. So I imagine this had to be huge. Superman can't die. He's Superman. So how do you kill the strongest man on Earth? Like, it's labeled the death of Superman on the front cover. So you know what's going to happen. They're not sugarcoating it at all by the time we are reading this issue. There are no secrets here. Oh, my goodness. So Superman. Superman is in an interview trying to save the youth of America. So they're interviewing him and talking about all the things that the youth need to be doing in America. And Superman is just having this interview. Right. And the whole time Superman's doing this interview, Doomsday is busting his way out of a cell from like the middle of the earth. And he, I have no idea how he got there, but the issue opens with like this fist punching metal and then bones come out of his knuckles. Oh, it's so cool. Every time Doomsday is in a panel on this comic, this entire comic is drawn so damn well. I mean, every pretty much, it's like, what, 170 pages of just Doomsday wrecking face? It's an action comic. Action comic. It's just always battle, 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 battle. So interview is happening with Superman, and the entire time, Doomsday has escaped this prison cell that was underground, and he has met up with the JLA. And the JLA is just getting wrecked by Doomsday. What is the JLA? The Justice League of America. Oh, thanks. I had no- so at this okay. point, the Justice League includes Blue Beetle, uh, Guy Gardner is in it. You've also got Booster Gold and a couple of other characters. Honestly, it doesn't matter because they're all getting their faces slammed into concrete at this point. They are getting wrecked. I'm just destroyed. They don't stand a damn chance against Doomsday. And it's quite convenient, too, because in all of our comics that we've read with Superman, he's always able to hear everything that's going on around the planet. Unless he's interviewing about the youth of America and just listening to his friends get destroyed. He hears it, he just chooses to ignore it, and thinking they can handle it. I'm convinced it's because it's Guy Gardner. I get the feeling that they kind (laughs) of don't like each other, you know? And he's like, you know, Guy could probably take a hit or two. He probably deserves it, if anything. That's great headcanon. Love that. That's what I like to think. So anyways, uh, Doomsday just knocks Booster Gold right out into the middle of space. And the interview gets interrupted. Superman, Superman, you gotta... JSA is getting destroyed. You gotta go save him. And so he does. Yeah. He dies out of space. He catches up with Booster Gold, who kind of explains what's going on. They got to go and save the world. Yeah. And the next few issues are literally just Superman trying to keep Doomsday from Metropolis. Yeah. Doomsday is like trying to head to Metropolis. Like he's like, Metropolis. All he wants to do is destroy every single thing in his path. When they introduce, when he first gets out of his prison, Doomsday has a bird land in his hand and he just goes, yeah and it's really neat too because he's also not only did he come from a prison but he's in some sort of like suit that kind of seems like it's keeping his powers like contained a little bit so he's having to fight all these shackles like he has one hand tied behind his back and he can barely move and he's slowly breaking out of that suit throughout the issues yeah and it's really incredible and finally he's able to break out of it entirely and it's just superman and doomsday just going at it like i said beautiful artwork go pick this one up like it's really super definitely worth a read I don't read comics, and I would recommend this one. The action comic in this one is amazing. The fighting is beautiful in this. But it ends with them punching each other so hard that both of them die. And Superman has given his life to save his beloved city of Metropolis. There's this really, really beautiful scene of Lois like, no! It's the last panel. Yeah, it's great. And that's it. I mean, it just ends with that. Superman dead. 
dead. No, no saving, no coming back from it, no nothing. Just Superman's dead. Yeah. And this leads directly right into the return of Superman, which was a pretty big event. You know, you had a couple of months where there were these Superman purveyors, is what I'm going to call them. They were trying to fill the spot, basically. You can't leave Superman dead. Nah. I mean, Action Comics has to have somebody to have in their comic books. Sure. And I'm sure Superman is still one of the best-selling comics that DC has. Oh, I can only imagine that they are selling Superman off the shelves every yeah. single week. So you can't leave him dead. But to bring him back has got to be as epic as the killing of him. Right, and this ties right back into all of the Green Lantern that we read a couple of weeks back. Really? Oh, you know it does. You know oh, it does. Oh, right. Uh, it's uh, the destruction of Coast City yes. that sends Hal Jordan off on a parallax adventure. Exactly. So we've got four supers that are trying to hold up the mantle of Superman. We've got a cyborg Superman, Man of Steel, Superboy, and a guy that is known as the last son of Krypton, who we later find out is the Eradicator. Basically, still don't know who the Eradicator is. That will have to come in a future episode when we read more into Superman stuff, because I'm sure you were so looking forward to reading more Superman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot wait to get into more Superman. But we see, I mean, this starts right out. You know, they're actually kind of like fighting each other over who is the real Superman. Yeah. Who is going to save Metropolis? <laughs> like, it matters. You're all freaking superheroes. Just work with each other, right? But they won't. They all want uh, the mantle of the Superman. Except, I would have to say, Man of Steel is not that guy. No, he's not. He knows he's not the Superman, but he wants to promote the name and live, have something live on the memory of Superman. Man of Steel actually really reminds me of a Batman arc where Batman is dead and someone else fills in for him. And he's not trying to be Batman. He's very clear about that, but he's trying to hold up the mantle. He's trying to take care of Gotham. Man of Steel reminds me of that. It's very much so like, hey, I'm just trying to take care of Metropolis. I've been blessed with these powers. Let me try and help when Superman's not around. And, and he's in some sort of suit that gives him a lot of the powers. I love that he carries around this big freaking hammer. Oh, it's so cool. I think his name's John Henry. Yeah, it's kind of like a massive like war priest is what it reminds me of, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we see this really great scene with him and the Eradicator or the last son of Krypton duking it out. So they're kind of on equal footings and we don't really know who the last son of Krypton is, but he's identical to Superman except he's got some dumb, goofy yellow visor over his face. His eyes are sensitive so he has to wear the visors to filter out the yellow sun. I, well, yeah, what a pansy. I mean, the real Superman wouldn't have to deal with that, right? That's what you would think. Yeah. But he's the last son. He can fly. He can fight. He's got the strong powers. Uh, but sure. it's not actually Superman. Right. So then we also have this cyborg Superman who is like kind of working for the government. He has like a direct line from the White House. They call him every once in a while. I'm like, hey, go check this out. Yeah, and he looks like Superman, but with uh, with robot features. It kind of reminds me of like Terminator. Like if you could take Terminator and Superman and just... Then you have, uh, and then you have Superboy. Superboy, who yes. Who has some weird stuff going on with his powers. He is a good-looking teenager version. He calls himself the clone of Superman. Yeah. But he's got something weird going on with his powers. Like, they only work, like, 50% of the time. Exactly. And he can't really control when they work. Yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Like, yeah. sometimes the powers work, sometimes they shut themselves off, so he winds up getting himself captured at yes. some point. And Lex Luthor is trying to hire him on to be, like, a personal bodyguard. Because in this series... He has Supergirl as his kind of contracted employee. She's not necessarily a bodyguard, but he kind of sends her out and has her save the day whenever he wants to look nice, kind of. Exactly. He's got uh, superheroes on contract. And it's not actually Lex Luthor. It's Lex Luthor Jr. Correct. In this I episode. Apologize. Or in I this, apologize. this set of issues. Well, and it turns out Cyborg Superman is evil. 
Uh, he has been working with Mongol, who you haven't really met Mongol. This is your first time, isn't it? Is. It? it is the first time I've seen Mongol, and it's a weird, badass character. Mongol's fun. He, we're going to get into a lot more Mongol later on, and I think you're really going to like him, actually. Uh, but it turns out that they've been working together, and they destroy Coast City, and they capture Superboy. In a blink of a freaking eye. Yeah, did you expect that? Look, I expected some big adventure where Coast City's destroyed, and there's a big battle with a bunch of superheroes, and JLA gets involved. Involved and other societies get involved, but no, yeah. Cyborg and Mongol fly over, they drop a bunch of globes, and poof, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's like they drop some seeds in the ground, they click a button, and then poof, like all of Seven Coast million City people dies. Gone. Right. Uh, and that is when Engine City is built. This giant Engine City is built out of that. Mongol and Cyborg Superman are really kind of like playing the Earth, too, because everyone, all the reporters and the government are like calling in, trying to figure out like, hey, we need to go report on Coast City. And Cyborg Superman is like, nah, guys, I got it. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Ever, don't leave your tanks at home. Everything is okay. I have it. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, because at this point, they're trying to frame it on somebody else. They're trying to frame it on the Eradicator. And this is when the Man of Steel is like, well, that's kind of weird because I fought that dude and we were on pretty equal footing. Cyborg Superman and Superboy ought to be able to take him out like with no ease. And it, they mess Eradicator up like nobody's business. So he gets sent back to the Fortress of Solitude. And uh, during the entire time, like Cyborg Superman just continues to play people. And this is when we find out that the real Superman has been kind of revitalized. Yeah, he got sent, I think eradicator found him or he somehow got put the real superman got put into the restoration matrix from uh krypton right and it's like his life force was fueling it and we find this out because eradicator is wanting to go and restore himself with it but he can't there's he no can't. power the little robots that are for some reason there are like well sorry master we can't do that for you or beep boop pop pop <laughs> but we'll do this instead we'll try and fix you yeah and they work on eradicator version of superman but uh the real superman has broken out of the matrix has climbed into a war suit that was conveniently placed in the Fortress of Solitude. Of course. And Superman's weak. His yes. powers have not fully returned. He has not absorbed enough yellow sun energy at this point to be Superman. So he climbs in the war suit and it like hits the bottom of the ocean and starts walking yeah. to Metropolis from the frozen north. So he finally meets up with Lois Lane and Supergirl and Superboy and Man of Steel. And they try to beat him up. And they were initially like, yeah, who, like everyone says they're Superman anymore. Who are you? You know, even Lois Lane is, they have this scene, like this real heart to heart where Superman is like holding her and he's like, I am Superman. But I've heard this so many times before. But How can you say that would kid. change my mind? And he comes up with some BS that changes her mind, of course. So, oh, BS. Oh, come oh, on. It's like, oh, but I gave you Ma's engagement ring. Do you remember the time on the mountains? What about the time at the lake? It, and it works. Okay, but in this current day and age, I'm just going to throw this out here. This is like social media hacking 101, right? You want to get in on with somebody good. You go to their Facebook profile. You look at all their stuff. You dress up like their significant other. And you go, yeah, you remember the time we got engaged at so-and-so? Because you've seen it all. This would not work in modern day. Well, no, but... Facebook doesn't exist when this was written. They, it doesn't? No. But it will in the next one. <laughs> it does. Anyway, we're talking about this one right yes, now. Yes. No just, Facebook. And he convinces Lois. And Lois is like, yes, this is the Superman. I just hate the one scene where their two faces are like half an inch apart and their mouths are open. Like they're breathing <laughs> each other's carbon. What is happening? And then she's just like, okay, it must be you. Splorch. I like to think that she's actually, like the thing that convinces her is his minty breath. 
That's gotta you know what be I mean? what it is. Like, it's really kind of what it seems like to Yeah. The, the real the Krypton breath is what does it for her. Krypton breath. That's uh. a, that's like a juicy commercial waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but she's convinced, therefore the man of steel is convinced, and they all rally behind this real Superman yes. who takes charge. And that's one really cool thing about Superman is he is a leader. He's a commander. He tells yeah. everybody what to do and he takes charge of the situation and he puts on uh, a pair of flight boots. Yes. That one of Lex Luthor's guys or somebody guard nearby has. Right. And they fly, all of them fly to Coast City, now known as Engine City. Yes. And Supergirl is actually using one of her invisibility powers to kind of sneak up on everybody uh, at Engine City. She wants to be able to help out, but they don't want everyone there to know that she's with them. Secret weapon, man. Always have an ace in the hole. That's true. That's true. So they get there and they pretty much save the day. I mean, two or three issues of them fighting Mongol. And Green Lantern shows up, and I'll be honest with you, I really did not like the way that the comics handled this, because you have a Green Lantern issue where it sums up everything that's happened, and then it goes throughout the end where it shows like them saving the day, they beat Mongol, they, they beat Cyborg Superman, and then you go into this next Superman issue, and it's like backtracked three or four issues. Well, so they covered all their lines, so if you don't read one, you don't have to read both, right. but it helps if you do. I, and I get that, but if you're going to do a compendium of The Return of Superman... I don't know. It felt like they could have maybe handled the way that they staged those issues better. So they end up saving the day. Superman's able to punch Cyborg Superman out. But now they've got Engine City that they got to deal with because Coast City's gone. Coast City is gone. What do you do with this big block of an engine? Right. Y'all put it in the ocean. Well, apparently. Because they weren't worried about the ocean's environment. And guess who is? Aquaman! Aquaman made it! I'm so excited. I love Aquaman. Excuse me. Sorry. Go ahead. You know, if it was Jason Momoa, Aquaman, I might have been excited. For I don't it. care. I love Aquaman from uh, the old cartoon yes. series. Yeah. Aquaman has been a favorite of mine for as long as I can remember. Really? Yeah, yeah, I love Aquaman. Okay, now I'm really excited to read Aquaman comics yeah. with you. Uh, Aquaman's really cool, even though <laughs> Family Guy makes fun of him incessantly. Yes, it's everyone like, makes fun of him incessantly. Look at your favorite power. You can talk to fish. Who cares? But I love Aquaman. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And uh, Iron Man. Who okay. apparently is a B character as well. But yeah, those I, are the two that I remember from my childhood that I latched on to. Iron Man was a huge B character until Tony Stark came out in the movies more recently. But we're going to get into that with another character. Uh, this is great because Hal Jordan and Aquaman kind of get into it. And Hal Jordan's like, well, dude, fuck your ocean. We're yeah. going to just dump we this engine dump city. it in the ocean. You see my city? Yeah. How, like, <laughs> how about your city? This happens to it, too. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like Hal Jordan, this is one of his weakest moments because he's just not thinking. Oh, of course not. His entire life. It's like uh, Superman, old man Superman just a few issues ago uh, losing his mind because everything is destroyed. Sure. So they end up arguing over this, and while they're arguing, it like breaks into the ocean, and everybody that has a super ring is able to sanitize it. Like sure. Deus Ex. I mean, this was a huge just like, oh, well, we won't worry about it, and I don't think it's ever come back up. Like, Engine City's been at the bottom of Metropolis's ocean since... I see an opportunity. We should write that comic. <laughs> what happened to Aquaman when Engine City fell into the ocean? It's probably out there, and I just haven't read it. Yeah, but that is the return of Superman. Uh, I will say my favorite thing about this was the way that Superman was drawn because he's in this like black latex, like skin tight black latex with this really long mullet. I mean, it's Kurt Russell. Like it's basically just Kurt Russell from uh, <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China as right. Superman. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. But he does. He has this big, huge hair. It's action movies, 90s yeah. action movie hair. In fact, I may have to make that the picture for the episode. Just Done. Kurt Russell Superman. 
So let's go ahead and talk about the next origin story that we read. We're going to talk about Birthright next. Let's talk about Birthright. Oh, I love this one. I this one did. is fantastic. I had a love-hate relationship with Birthright. There well, were bits of it that I loved, and there were bits of it that I was like, I felt like I would read a panel and be like, wow, that's so cool. And then read the next panel and be like, oh, wait, Superman again. Well, the thing that I love about it, because of the order in which we are reading these comics, which is exactly what we're talking about right now, Birthright was the first one to have a full-on modern storytelling motif. Yeah, you're totally right about that. I mean, Mark Wade, who wrote Birthright, did a phenomenal job with it. It really, it helps supplement and replace a lot of the 1986 Man of Steel origin story. And uh, the artwork in it, too, is just so much, so different than everything we've read up to this point. And I'm going to slaughter this name. Laniel Francis Yu. Beautiful artwork from this person. Yeah, great job. Absolutely beautiful work. Uh, so, you know, we told you the origin story. We're going to hit the big topics on what was different about this one. What did it add? What did it replace? You know, the, a lot of these characters that we're going to talk about have had five or six origin stories. And a lot of times when they rewrite them, it's because they wanted to add in more powers or add in a more epic origin story. So a lot of times it's more of a supplement. So, Wes, what was the big differences here, man? All right, first one off, we talked about the Sanitary Society of Jarrell in the early comics. This one is uh, Jarrell and Lara have a loving relationship. I believe she actually, at one point, pulls down this huge banner from their, uh, from their bedroom to wrap uh, Kal-El up in. But uh, he's not pulled from a genetic pool off no. in Sector BAD. She <laughs> actually has him in a crib in their house. It, it felt like they actually conceived Kal-El together. Like they, they were a married couple. Uh, then, uh, so you get introduced to Superman. Uh, he's 25 years old at this point. He's been seven years removed from home. He must have moved out when he was 18. And he has this data pad with him that came from his ship. So he, at this point, already... He may not know what the images mean, but he know he sees the images from Krypton at this point. Sure, it just furthers my belief that the iPad was created from Roswell, New Mexico alien crash sites. Because Krypton's had iPads, so why did we not get them from aliens? It makes, makes sense total, to me. Total sense. So he's learning all about his past, or he's trying to. He's like he sees all of these people that he knows are Kryptons, but he doesn't. He knows that they're Kryptonians, but he doesn't know anything about them. He can't read the language. Can't read it. Can't understand anything that's happening in this. And it's he like he could tell that it's history, but he can't tell what the history means. Yeah, and in this one, they make a really big point that he's a vegetarian because he can kind of see life force. Oh, the life force thing. That was, yeah. All right, there were some weird things in here. Uh, the life force that he can see around people is a little weird, but he can't kill animals. Yeah, so I would imagine, though, if you them. could see Life Force, you would hate to see it be zapped out of people and things. So I could see it. Like, I get it. I kind of, I can, I get that. Uh, honestly, one of the big differences they had that I didn't like was the fact that him and his paw had this weird, like, block between them. Well, you were talking about it earlier. One of the things you love is the fact that the he, they have family and they work together and they love each other, but here, not so much. Yeah, and it, I feel like it's so unfounded. So he goes back to Smallville to kind of check in with his folks after having moved out for probably, what, like 10 years, I think they said? Seven. Seven years? Mm -hmm. And his father, like, refuses to talk to him, wants nothing to do with him. Like, it won't give him the time of day at all. And I just didn't get it. it just... Okay, so you say it's unfounded, but it's totally founded. Uh, Superman, Clark Kent, has taken his mother out for a leisurely stroll amongst the stars. So, but his father never got that thing, uh, never got that treatment. Uh, he wants to become Superman, which means he's going to have to get rid of the name Clark Kent. Sure. So his father is sad that his son, his only son, wants to lose his name. 
He's not going to carry the family name forward. So he's petty. He's not petty. He's proud. I disagree. So in my mind, like if he's really proud, he'd be like, go get him, son. Like he has been in all of the other comics. I just he, didn't like this one. Pa is such a human in this one. And that's one of the things that I love about it. Okay. Is, I'll give you he's that. He's not petty. He's just proud. And he's a little sad. He comes around in the end. He and Superman have a heart to heart. Superman figures out what's going on. I mean, they talk about it. They make up and Pa now supports his son going out to become Superman. Yeah. But it's really weird because it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, dad. Let's go on a flight. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Love you, son. That's all it takes. I guess a I little don't know. bit of treatment. Goofy. Like, somebody else gets all the treatment in the world, and you're going to be a little jealous. I it guess happens. So. I will say, I did like the fact that at one point in time, his mother brought up the fact that it was really hard to keep alien life a secret. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like Green Lantern's a city over, motherfucker. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> There are literally aliens all over your planet. Yeah, it's so true. But she had to keep the secret. <laughs> yeah, you have a total point there. That but one killed me. That's fine. Like, sometimes uh, she... And the, I was about to say, well, she just didn't know about it, but she's sitting in front of a computer on the internet. Right. When she says it. Right. Like, okay. It's not like this isn't modern day. There's Facebook. You're not going to sit here and tell me that Facebook doesn't... Like, all these old people on Facebook aren't just taking pictures of superheroes and their walls are littered with superhero pictures? It's gotta be. It gotta has be. to be. Gotta be. Oh, the other cool thing, Lex Luthor has met Clark Kent before in Smallville right around the age of 15. Right. So it turns out that in this one, they kind of grew up together. In fact, Lex and Clark were best friends, it seemed like. Well, they tried to be. Yeah, they were both outcasts. They so were. they kind of connected. Lex specifically came to Smallville to look for Kryptonite, and that was the whole reason they got brought together, and they have this big event where he's showing it to Clark, and Clark has this huge negative reaction to it. Well, sure, he uh, it's Kryptonite, so Superman right. gets really weak. Uh, Lex, but it's the first time that he's probably ever encountered it. It absolutely is, because he has no idea what's going on. He just knows when he gets close to this green glowing rock, bad things happen. Right. And the, I love this part, too. Lex Luthor is trying to open a wormhole to Krypton. Yeah, and it's like a wormhole to the past because he's trying to bring Kryptonians to the future and he's kind of trying to frame Superman as this big bad villain. Well, at this point, they're still teenagers. Sure, when he's sure, opening sure, up this wormhole. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He just knows he has access. To, he's trying to prove that alien life exists right. as a young teenager. Yeah, and he's successful. He's able to kind of make contact into the past. And then it blows up. And it blows up. And it burns his house down, including his father. So another one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this is the way that they kind of talk about Clark in a different light from every other issue we've read so far. Because in this one, Clark is treated like garbage. Once he hits Metropolis, absolutely. Nobody yeah. likes Clark Kent working at the Daily Planet. Right. He is so meek and he's so shy and antisocial. Like at first when he's interviewing with Perry, they wouldn't even give him a job. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, I think Perry actually in this comic says, speak up. Right. He can't hear him because he's just he's talking like this right here. And it's like, it, you're not a reporter, son. Like, come on, you're expected to write articles for me? Yeah, when he was uh, earlier, when he was younger, he went and interviewed like this big uh, senator in West Africa. Right. And everybody kind of knows him as having this amazing skill of writing. And then when they meet him, even Lois Lane is like, whoa, hold on. You're the Clark Kent that wrote that amazing, almost award-winning article a couple years back? No, that's not you. So they just do Clark a little differently for this one. And I don't know that I like the take on it either. I felt bad for Clark. Sure, but it was his choice in order to draw attention away from him being Superman. That's fair. Nobody would expect a meat guy in the corner that nobody likes or invites to the bar to be Superman. Okay, that's fair. That's very, very fair. 
Um, another big difference with this one that we saw so far that we haven't really seen is that Lex was oddly obsessed with aliens. It was an interesting take on how his obsession grew from a teenager when he was opening that wormhole to prove the existence of life on into being an adult with opening a wormhole to find aliens to prove that there's alien life. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I almost wonder if they were using this to transition from like, okay, well, he was obsessed with aliens. He was able to prove it. Now he's obsessed with Superman. And he's mentally unstable. Right. And, you know, I'll be honest, this Lex really reminded me of the Lex Luthor from the most recent Superman versus Batman movie. I mean, whenever they did that movie, I did not like the Lex in that at all. It, it's just like this. Like, he's very hyper-focused on himself. He kind of throws these weird fits. And it reminded me a lot of this. And I almost wonder if that actor was trying to base his Lex, like his acting thoughts, basically, off of this Lex character. It could have been. I haven't seen that movie, but this Lex is definitely uh, a spoiled rich kid. Yes, very much so. And super smart. Now, I will say I love the way that this one ends because they haven't done any contact between Kal-El or Superman and his parents. And in this one, at the very end, he does see his folks. Yeah, because... Uh, like his birth folks. Lex Luthor opens the wormhole into the past. And so, yeah, you're right. Superman gets to see Jor-El and Lara in, on Krypton, looking at the computer screen, trying to decide where to send their son. Right. Because earlier, they chose Earth as a place to send Kal-El. But in this version, they just shipped him off into space and hope he hit somewhere good. Yeah. And it was really neat because I think the message said something like, hey, mom and dad, I made it. And that was it. Well, I just thought it was really sweet. It, it was, was nice kind of cool. End it. Right before Krypton explodes, his parents get to see that he succeeded. Right. They succeeded in sending him to the right place. Exactly. It, it's making, giving me tingles right now. Yeah, just thinking too. about you it. You get the like goosebumps, you know? Yeah. So we have read a whole bunch of origin stories so far, and I really wanted you to get a good idea of kind of some of the other villains and some of the other things that Superman has had to face over time. Things like Brainiac and Kandor and a couple of other of the times he's maybe teamed up with Lex. So I had you read Jeff Johns' Last Son, because I think it is a phenomenal miniseries kind of. Uh, miniseries, uh, maybe it's a one-shot. It's a good way of putting it in kind of like an RPG terms that we understand. Jeff Johns is a god. You're not kidding, man. Like, that dude, I, I would read probably anything he writes. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, Last Son, as much as I loved Birthright, Last Son was a beautifully told story. Absolutely. From beginning to end. Let's sum it up in just a few short sentences because we want you to read it. Yeah, definitely. But we're going to give you the gist of what happened in this uh, set of issues. It's basically like a two-part series because the first part, you've got a kid crashing into Metropolis in a spaceship. Superman, of course, saves the day, and he's looking into this like little round disc. Oh, it looks like a Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell. It totally does. Oh, my God. <laughs> like It just hit me what that looks like. It is. Crunch... Crunchwrap Supreme, uh, Taco outer Bell, space. Outer Space, little kid inside, and he looks into it, and this kid speaks Kryptonian, or Kryptonese is what they call it. Yeah, they call it? it Kryptonese. And Superman is like, what in the hell? Kryptonese, the Wingdings formula. Yeah, language. you said it looked a lot like the Wingdings yeah, yeah. Yeah, font. That's great. Uh, and and the, the whole story is just him adopting this son. A or little, trying to. Yeah. Uh, they eventually, he and Lois, they're married in this version. And Lois knows about Clark and Superman. Because if they're going to be married, you can't hide Superman from Lois if you're married. It seems like something that would be I would put it do. up against Clark yeah. to try, though. That seems but, like something he would try. Right. But they can't have kids. Right. And you find out pretty early on. Uh, in fact, there's a scene with Kal-El talking to Jor-El saying, yes, humans and Kryptonians cannot produce. And then... Uh, 
So this child from outer space who speaks Kryptonese uh, gets abducted by the government. Superman saves him. There's some uh, great scenes of him just busting down government doors trying to find him. Gives no craps. No craps. No and in fact, we were talking about the fact that the security clearance people, like not even holding up their guns. Can't. Like, what, what are, are we going to do? do? They, have, they don't have kryptonite in their right. pellets in their guns. but uh, So they're like, uh, maybe you should do this, but you can't. So Superman saves the child. They decide to adopt him. They give him a beautiful, beautiful first name. Christopher. Christopher Kent. Christ oh, I was waiting for you to say Reeves, but yes, you are correct. It's you have informed Kent. me that it is a throwback to Christopher Reeves. I It's got to be a reference to the greatest actor of the 80s. Now that you say that, it has to be. There is no doubt in my mind. Uh, but it, it's great because Lex Luthor decides to let out Bizarro. Now, this is the first time you've read Bizarro. It is. Uh, Bizarro, this big clone of Superman who's yeah. just like super muscular and kind of weird, but doesn't He's not all there. He don't talk good. He don't talk good. Uh, he's kind of like a, whenever he cloned him, like he didn't quite do all of the genetic sequencing quite right. So he kind of turned out a little funky and he wrecks the city. Have you noticed this though? Every time that Superman gets into a fight, decimates Metropolis. <laughs> oh, poor Metropolis. They are literally in a constant state of repair because of this guy. But think about the fat paycheck you're going to get if you're a repairman living in Metropolis. I bet insurance salespeople in Metropolis make bank. Either that or they're losing their shirt. Oh, yeah. Because they're the having two. to constantly pay out. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that the tax in Metropolis has got to yeah. be through the roof. Like two fifty for a thing of milk, but $10 for the Superman tax. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you want a Dr. Pepper? Well, that'll be $199.99. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I just imagine simple things are just outrageously expensive because they're constantly having to fix buildings. Yeah. And roads. And, and school buses. Superman just, and he and Bizarro get in this big fight because Bizarro is trying to track down this Superboy from outer space. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Superman stops him, of course. So they end up trying to adopt him. And who shows up? But one of my favorite villains. Oh, which one? Zod. Yes! General Zod shows up from the Phantom Zone. And I've got to tell you the story. When I was a little kid, I would watch the uh, the Superman movie. Sure, yeah. And you'd see these people with their faces in these pieces, shards of glass, flying right, right. through the air. And I still, to this day, had no idea what they were referencing. Like, oh, why yeah. are they in shards of glass? It's the Phantom what, Zone. What's happening to these people that they're in shards of glass? That's neat. Today... When I read that comic, I'm finally understand what's going on. They're from the Phantom Zone, <laughs> right. and it is General Zod in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and so they show up from the Phantom Zone, and it turns out that they have found a prison in the Phantom Zone where they were able to kind of escape it. They used it to reproduce and have uh, Chris, or as he knows him, Lore Zod. That is how Zod has named his son. He's the catalyst that opens up the Phantom Zone and allows everyone to come to Earth. Yeah, because he's not, he was born in the Phantom Zone or he's born outside of the Phantom Zone. Like he's able inside to, of the outside of the Phantom yeah, Zone. Yeah, he's <laughs> able to create this link and then everybody's able to escape. Right. And chaos freaking ensues as these new kryptonites are going to take over the world. Yeah, and it's really cool because you get to see the kryptonites kind of in their full glory. Like, these are some evil SOBs. They want to take over and they sort of, you know, in this version, they don't necessarily want to make this the new Krypton as much as they just want to punish the humans for kind of stealing their Superman. You know, they, they think it's disgusting that he tries to fit in. They hate it. He should he should rule over these uh, fake Kryptons, these plebes, and so you know we've got this scene where they just decimate Superman. He wakes up in the next issue and he's in the zone. 
Oh, they, that's right. They send him to the Phantom Zone. Yeah, and he meets an old friend of his named Monel, who we haven't read about. Uh, but Monel was supposedly a Kryptonian. It turns out he's not. He's actually from Daxum, which is another planet, very similar, allergic to lead instead of Kryptonite. Kind of a similar character. But uh, he helps him lead them through the Phantom Zone, gets him out of the Phantom Zone. And who does Superman go to team up with to take down Zod? I would imagine anybody except the guy he picks. He busts through this wall and finds Lex Luthor. And he's like, you know what? You've got all these weapons that try, like you try to kill me with. Let's use them. And the whole time, Lex is like sitting there prepping. He's like polishing his guns. You know? He knows what's happening. He oh, sees yeah. these kryptonites because the kryptonite... Superman has been in the Phantom Zone for a long time. Right. Time freezes there. It's been about a week, I would think. Maybe that long? That Maybe. sounds about right. Yeah. But so Lex Luthor has watched these other Krypton, Kryptons... Krypton, what would you call them? Kryptonians. Kryptonians yeah. take over Metropolis. They right. capture every single one of the superheroes and put them away in this fortress area, and Lex Luthor is getting ready to wreck some face. Right, and it's so funny, too, because he's holding Lex Luthor up, and he's looking around, he sees all the guns, and he's like, hey, um, can I borrow these? And Lex just starts laughing, and I think that's great. And then Lex's minions like knock Superman out. Right. So he wakes up, he's going to team up with Lex Luthor, Bizarro, Metallo, and Parasite. And these are really fun, neat villains. Like, we haven't seen them yet, but Metallo kind of has these crystal shards that are different colors of kryptonite in him, and each one does a different thing, and Parasite kind of sucks the powers away from metahumans, and of course, we've already met Bizarro, who just is like a dumber Superman. Brute force. Brute force. Like, it's like Superman with none of the intellect. So the entire time that this group of medley heroes is fighting off the Kryptonians, Lex is up at the Fortress of Solitude explaining to Lois Lane how he's going to reopen the Phantom Zone. And of course, the whole time he's talking about how she doesn't need Clark and he could take his place and yada, yada, yada. But then he mentions like, yeah, the moment I open this up, everyone that's ever been there is getting sucked back. Anybody who's ever been inside the Phantom Zone, go on, go, go back. And she realizes that means Superman too. Uh-oh. Yeah. So he fixes it, and immediately all of them start getting sucked back into the Phantom Zone, including their ships. It's like a vacuum cleaner, just yeah. sucking everybody back in. And, of course, Superman has been there, so he's, like, holding on to this 18-wheeler that's stuck into, like, the Capitol City building for some reason. Like, right. he got flown into the building. He's holding on to it. He's holding on to Chris, his son, and his son says, let me go. You've given me everything I've ever wanted. Like, his parents, you can tell that Zod has just absolutely abused him. In fact, there's a scene where he's about to kill his son. Yeah, yeah, General Zod about to crush the head of Superboy. It's awful. Christopher. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so sad. And so, of course, Superman, this beautiful scene of him holding on to Christopher's hand, he's being sucked back into the Phantom Zone, and he says, you know, let me go. You've given me everything I've ever wanted from a family. I'm the catalyst. If I hit that zone back... I will close this door. And so that's what Superman does. He lets Christopher go. Christopher gets sucked back into the Phantom Zone and poosh, everybody disappears. And we're back into a normal metropolis. And there's this crazy scene of Superman standing on top of this 18-wheeler that is stuck in the side of a building just looking pretty defeated, honestly. I mean, he's lost this kid that him and Lois really wanted. You know, because she has this moment where she's like, I didn't really want to adopt him at first, but now I really love the idea. He's a sweet kid. Yeah, and now they, they're missing. So he's able to communicate to Monel, who is in the Phantom Zone, uh, through some sort of like glass shard that he has in the Fortress of Solitude. Exactly, yeah. And Monel tells him like, "Well, I'll do the best I can to find him, but the Phantom Zone's pretty big." And Christopher is gone. Yeah, he's not with uh, General Zod and his group of Kryptonians. 
Uh, Christopher is just somewhere else at this point. Right. Now, during all of this, Zod has mentioned several times that he was friends with Kal-El's father, Jor-El. And he's talked about how they were teammates, not even really teammates, as much as they were kind of maybe like... Co-workers. Co-workers, co-workers friends, yeah. scientists. Uh, and that kind of transitions us into this next second half of the series where they've talked about Kandor and how Zod had saved some of the people from Kandor. Well, we don't really know much about Kandor, so the second series goes into Brainiac. Brainiac's a really great villain. He's a huge Superman villain, and, and it's Brainiac's story of stealing Kandor. He puts a, he just flies over it. It's like Brainiac has this program to sniff out uh, Kryptonians. Right. And so he finds Kandor, puts it into a bottle, and puts it on his ship. It's like he shrinks Kandor down to a manageable size. Yeah. And, puts this ray over it and sucks it up into his ship. And so when we're introduced to Brainiac, it's like he sent out these minions to find Kryptonians. And when they find uh, Superman, they Superman gets in a fight with one of the Brainiac's minions, and the minion falls over backwards, and Brainiac wakes up. Right. And it's really neat because Supergirl is heavily involved in this one, and we really haven't read a whole lot about Supergirl yet. But she fully remembers Kandor. In fact, Supergirl is older than Superman. It is Superman's older cousin that was sent there to take care of him. But she got she got stuck in stasis. Yeah, something happened, and she didn't get to Earth as fast as Superman did. Right. So she's there a lot later, and she's not really integrated into their culture at all, like Clark has. She didn't grow up with the human family. She doesn't really speak English very well. No, not in especially in the New Fifty Two, which we'll get into a little bit later. She doesn't speak English at all. Uh, But to really kind of sum all of this up, it's this big battle between Superman and Brainiac. I mean, Superman goes out to find him, figures out that Brainiac's been stealing all kinds of societies and just learning from them. That's his big shtick. And Superman is flying on his ship out to uh, attack Brainiac. Right. And just before getting off on the new planet, he shaves yeah. with his little curved mirror. Throwback to an older issue. He's like shaving with this curved mirror. What an inopportune... Like, I'm so befuddled by this. I think Wes can probably see my face. Like, I just... I cannot imagine that being a priority. Yeah. But if if the stubble gets too long, it'll take way too long to take it down later. So let's keep up. Superman is meticulous. I guess. But to be fair, like, you're flying in space. Maybe he was flying for five or six days. Sure. I don't know. And he gets to Brainiac's ship, and they have the big fight, and they go back and forth. And, of course, Superman mostly wins. Right. He kicks Brainiac out of his own ship. And then they have this scene where uh, Superman has bottles, like, under his arms, like he's taking milk home. Right. And And they're actually societies. Yeah, uh, (laughs) because Brainiac had captured Metropolis at this point, and then... Uh, Kandor was right. captured. So and he, he promises all of the other societies as he's leaving the ship, like, I'll come back for you. Yeah. Uh, and there's a really great scene of Brainiac laying in this swamp, and you can see they've got, like, zoomed-in panels where there's germs getting on him, and he's yeah. losing it. Like, he's a germaphobe. And he's like, what? get off of me, get off of me, get yeah. off of me. If he can't control it, he wants nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, so, you know, Superman obviously saves the day, but in doing so, Brainiac tells him, like, well, I remember seeing all of your family members whenever I invaded your brain, so I'm going to attack them to get back at you. He attacks Smallville. Yeah. He attacks Ma and Pa Kent's And he blows home. up their house. Sets it on fire. And they get out. They're safe. They're fine. They don't die in the fire. No. And it's, it's so sad, too, because they're kind of like farming right outside like they're right in front of the house the house is about to explode pa just jumps in front of ma and and saves her and then he rolls over and you see him clutch his left arm the only thing you can think is man old dude's having a heart attack and he doesn't make it 
No. It's a really sad moment. It is. At the end, they go into Pa's funeral at the end. Right. Uh, and it's it's really sad. But regardless of that, we've got Superman saving Kandor. You know, he's now got some relatives uh, kind of stuck in this like little time machine. He's opened them up at the Fortress of Solitude and let them out. Um, and then we go into the epilogue. And the epilogue is one of my favorite scenes because it's him at the funeral. And there's a moment where you see Superman going in and breaking into this prison cell and beating the tar out of Brainiac. This ichor dripping down Superman's face as he just continuously punches Brainiac yeah, over man. and over and over. It's, it is the Superman I want because that's human. <laughs> like, right. you know that that's what he wanted to do, and he had the power to do it. What's stopping him? Like, just do it. Do He's what you want. Force for good. Yeah. And so we cut right back. He's still at the funeral, and obviously it was just a memory or a wish or a dream that that's what he wants to do. And Lois is like, are you okay? Yeah, and it's it's beautiful. It was a really great. I I mean, this was a great comic. I loved Last Sun. You really, everyone that's listening to this ought to go read it, especially if you're not a big Superman fan, because I'm not. I love this one. After Last Sun, we're gonna jump right into New Fifty Two, which I think you've told me that DC covers a ton of uh, superheroes with New Fifty Two. Yeah, the New Fifty Two was interesting, and a lot of people were really unhappy whenever it happened. Uh, but basically, it was another universe reset. Uh, there was a big there was a big crossover event that we're going to read called Flashpoint, and it is what triggered the New 52. Flashpoint's one of my favorites. I really, really liked Flashpoint. But regardless, the New 52 came out of that. It was 52 issues for 52 heroes. So that is what we read for Superman. And it's really another origin story. It's not exactly like the older ones where it was many issues. I mean, this was going to be a long-running thing. But there were some changes here. Uh, new 52, you say it's a new origin story, but yeah, there's obviously a huge backstory already. We jump right into Superman is in Metropolis, and he's been saving the day for a long time. Yeah, like they've established a lot. It's not like they went in and he's Clark Kent and trying to get his, you know... He's shiny. He, yeah, he's he's already Superman. It's a, it's a, basically what they seem to be trying to establish with this set of issues is... We're in modern times now. Exactly. You have social media. You've got cell phones in your pocket. You've got computers, and everything is new and brand new. In fact, in this one, Lois Lane isn't even a news reporter anymore. Like she's not writing news articles. She is an actual news reporter on site. You know, she's got a video camera in front of her, and it's like live feeds back into Metropolis. She's a producer at this point. Yeah, she's she's even higher up than that because she's the one making the calls. Like, hey, you need to fly the helicopter into this one scene or whatever. And it's actually kind of neat because there are several times he's having to fight invisible creatures, and he's using the news feeds to see the creature because this creature yeah. is only invisible yeah. to Kryptonians. <laughs> Lois is helping him out. Yeah, it and I thought that neat. was neat. That was uh, one of the bigger changes, though, is that immediately from the start, the Kents are dead in this Yeah, movie. both of his parents. He had, His parents have already passed away at this point. I think they're trying to establish that it's maybe a new universe, but it's definitely a new universe that has moved on. Right. Uh, and at this point, Lois and Clark are not married. In fact, she doesn't know that he's Superman. So in these issues that we read, we read issues one through nine, and you can kind of see that she's starting to catch up. So she's sort of on the brink, I think, of figuring it out, or at least getting the inclination. And that's the new 52. Yeah, it's already over. So, and it was kind of a, I don't want to say it was a closed universe. A lot of it carried over. But back in July in 2018, uh, Michael Bendis came out with Superman number one. And that is the current ongoing series. And I highly recommend it. I mean, it's amazing. Michael Bendis is one of the best authors out there, in my opinion. I love Bendis' work. Uh, and on top of that, we had a huge, 
huge event that happened this past year, which was Action Comics 1000. That's amazing. Yeah. Has anybody else actually had a thousand straight issues of any of the comics? Like, of a single running comic? I can't imagine they are. This one has been running since 1938 on a steady trajectory. Yeah. Nobody can keep up with it. Like, nobody can catch up. It's amazing. Uh, as long as they keep Action Comics going, no one will ever catch them. More than likely. You're entirely right. And in fact, I would argue maybe the only superhero that could get close to it is Spider-Man. And he still happened in the 60s. Yeah. So they've got 20 plus years worth yeah. to catch up on. Or even Batman. I mean, Batman, you've got um, his individual. It's not Action Comics. It's uh, Detective Comics. Right. But, you know, it's it's great. It's just a really big love story for Superman. They did this awesome thing where they took a whole bunch of writers and they wrote an amazingly long book with a lot of great individual stories, a bunch of mini stories. And as much as I want to go over it issue by issue because I loved every single one of them, you should go read this one. You should. There Action some, Comics 1000. is. You've got to go and spend the money and pick this one up. There are some real tearjerkers, man. There were some really great issues. The very first story in this one, I was actually tearing up at the telling of this story. Like, I don't want to ruin anything for no. anybody, but I, I actually teared up during the middle of this one. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how Superman fits into our culture today. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Christopher Reeves movies earlier. I've actually not seen any of the Christopher Reeves movies. 1978 um, is when those started coming out. Superman's one, two, three, and four. That's pretty incredible. And those were back in the days when they weren't they weren't getting help from comic book writers, and they were pretty successful, if I remember correctly. They did okay. I mean, Superman's a huge iconic character. Right. People wanted to go see this movie, right? And then in 2013, you had Henry Cavill's Man of Steel, which is honestly it's one of my favorite Superman movies. Really, it's probably not even Superman movies, but superhero movies. I really liked Man of Steel a lot. And you hate Superman. I know, but this one was great. The actor that they had play Zod, holy cow. I mean, we were going to have to sit down and watch this one. This okay. is really good. Done. Uh, but I really like the fact that they show off his superpowers kind of more like the action comics where he jumps instead of flying and then like he jumps farther and farther until he's kind of like accurately gliding, if that makes sense. Yeah, actually it does. And I love that's a callback to action oh, comics yeah. number one. That's fantastic. And then, of course, they more recently had the Batman versus Superman movie, which I think I referenced a little bit earlier. They uh, The Lex in that one, I wasn't a super big fan of. It reminds mm -hmm. me a lot of the Birthright Lex. But another great movie we're going to have to watch. It's great. Uh, and, of course, there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of Superman variations in TV shows. I mean, gosh, there's the Justice League TV show. There's Superman TV shows. There's Super Friend TV shows. Like, you name it. He's been in all of them. And, of course... There's millions and millions of DC movies Cartoon out there. Cartoons. Movies, yeah. I mean, he's everywhere. Superman has been around for so long that he is literally everywhere. And now you all have the beginnings of where Superman started. Yeah. Uh, so out of curiosity, Wes. Sure. Which uh, Superman comic of this series did you really like? Out of what we read, my favorite, hands down, was Birthright. Birthright? Okay. Yeah, I loved uh, how they portrayed Superman in that one. As a 25-year-old learning to deal with his powers. That's fair. Uh, I, I can see that. Um, Birthright wasn't really my favorite. I had a lot of, I wouldn't say issues with it. I had a lot of back and forth. It's okay. You can't be right all the time. Uh, I'm not right most so of the time. So what, uh, okay. what was your favorite then? I really liked uh, The Last Son by Jeff Johns. 
Uh, it's an easy one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I am like a Jeff Johns fan junkie or what. But... No, no. He just is really fantastic at mm-hmm. telling stories. And he told really two amazing stories in Last Son. And I'll tell you, I think my favorite thing is the way that he differentiates between Clark, Kent, and Superman. I mean, just even the way that it's drawn, the way that he writes it. I had forgotten that we were going to talk about yeah, that. it's amazing. In Last Son is the first time that the artist is able to capture Superman becoming Clark Kent, like his yeah. entire demeanor, the way he holds his body, the way he pushes up his glasses and kind of squinches up a little bit to become a little nerdier. Right. This, that artist was able to capture it and it was gorgeous. Well, even just the way that Jeff Johns, like he's telling the Superman story, like normal panels, it's just Clark Kent doing like daily planet things. And then there are these little yellow text bubbles where Superman is hearing all of the earth's problems and he's trying to differentiate. Like he hears someone scream, help me, help me. And it's like, Oh, well my thing's burning in the microwave or whatever, like trying to differentiate between the real help me's and the not reals. And I just, I thought that was so neat. I haven't really considered that. I'm going to give it up to Jeff Johns. That guy can write anything and I'll read it. Uh, but yes, that's been Superman. That has been a lot of fun. You may not like Superman, but I have slowly fallen in love with the way they tell Superman now. Really? Uh, it's not, I fully expected Superman to just kick ass the whole time and uh, just he wins because he has superpowers. Sure. And that's how I feel he's been written. I I call it post-narrative storytelling. But, but this version of Superman that we read uh, with the death of Superman and going on into Last Son, it's not that Superman wins because he has superpowers. He has superpowers, so therefore he's the best weapon against these bad guys, these villains that have been written in, and he wins because of his strong willpower, his willingness to sacrifice himself, as well as overcome the difficulties even though he has these superpowers. Without the superpowers, he couldn't fight the bad guys. But even with them, he is getting his ass kicked. He still chooses to continue the fight forward until he can win. I can see where you're coming from. And I, I can appreciate that. I think my biggest... My honestly, the biggest thing I don't like about him is just that, like I said a moment ago, he has this post-narrative storytelling where like he's able to solve things or he's able to do something, and then the next panel it explains why. And I think it's kind of weird. But we didn't read a lot of that in this set of issues. We did not. We did not. Uh, but regardless, it's Superman. Thanks, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Find us on the Back Patio Network. Yep, it's been a lot of fun. We'll see you all next time. I'm at Wes the GM on Twitter. And I'm at the Real Simzo on Twitter. Check us out. Mm-hmm.